Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Wow. Hasn't the Lord been doing amazing things? You know, uh, just as we were mentioning earlier, just those storms that were rolling through. And, um, you know, again, you know, more water features appeared everywhere across the city. It's just amazing. You know, this, this is a new trend that's catching on, you know, people having water features. And, but he's making new paths as well. Yeah, old roads have been washed away. And it's not just your sins that have been washed away, but it's the roads as well. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, it's so important for us to keep a positive and a healthy attitude as we're going through these challenges. You know, stage six gets really disconcerting. And you can yield to fear and you can partner with murmuring and groaning. All right? How well did that work out for the people in the wilderness? No, not so good. So we know that we're not to partner with murmuring and grumbling. It's difficult, yes. It's a test, yes. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can pass the test. All right? So as we go through these different challenges also, just, you know, use your, use your intellect, you know. And so if there is increased Load shedding, it's possible that not all the reservoirs will be filled in between. Meaning that there might be a need for you to keep some water at home in case the water doesn't come out the tap. It's just using your intellect. It's not giving into fear. It's just being a good steward of the resource. You know, Proverbs says, hey, go and observe the ant. What does the ant do? The ant stores up in the time of plenty for when there's a time in the other season where there isn't plenty. So if you've got water coming out your tap now and you've got some good water, put some in you know, five liter containers. Not a bad idea to have a couple of buckets of water around. Actually, you've just got to stick it out the back door and it'll just fall from heaven. Uh, you know, so we, it's, it's possible that... The, um, we, we may find ourselves moving in, into higher stages of, of load shedding. And, um, and so what can you do to make sure that your household can continue? That's just being smart. It's not giving into fear. It's just being taking preventative action. And so it would be probably a clever idea to have a few, a few things. Don't stock up your fridge because the freezer won't be able to... You got that part, but you know, stock up with some non-perishables, long-life milk, a few things like that. Yeah, going to be lots of brying happening, probably. You know. So, okay, we're going to get through this. Yeah, we're going to get through this, and so, um, just make sure that the people in your community connect group know when you're going on holiday, when you're returning, so we can keep an eye on each other during this time, during this season, we can stay connected. Yeah? So, so good. Okay. 
And what a thrill to be able to celebrate together last weekend. I mean, just amazing. There were just so many people all over the property here. And uh, the, the water slides and the inflatable soccer and the minute to win it and the popcorn and the brying and the socializing and ice creams, which apparently you enjoyed. And um, <laughs> just, just kidding. But, um, Oh, it's just so good. And I think also prophetically there was, a, there was an offering. There, there was a, this, this fragrance that was rising on the, the slab for the new property, the new building. Yeah? Like this heavenly fragrance was rising. This, something, something prophetically about fire and, um, and associated with, with the, the next phase of the building project. So, um, uh, just again, thanks everyone for patience. You know, last Sunday, it was just chaos in here. I mean, we had more people than we could accommodate in the building, and people were standing at the back, and other people turned away and had to stay downstairs in the overflow area and whatever, and just, I know that it was super hot in here, and the aircon didn't, you know, keep ahead of all the body temperature that was in here. So, thank you for, you know, your understanding will, will be a little bit sharper next time. We weren't expecting the other people who didn't have tickets to also rock up and all that sort of thing. Okay. So, we've been speaking for the last little while about New Testament believers and their gift from the Lord to walk in the things of the Spirit. And we've been speaking about New Testament prophetic ministry. And we've been drawing the, uh, the clear distinction between the Old Testament patterns of prophetic ministry, which is different from the New Covenant and New Testament prophetic ministry. And we've noted that many prophetic ministries, although they are New Testament believers, unfortunately are still stuck in the past, and their model for prophetic ministry is Old Testament prophets. And how sad that prophetic ministry actually hasn't stepped into what Hebrews calls the superior covenant. And to step into New Testament prophetic ministry that is superior to the old. It's pretty sad. And it's also a sad thing that most, or not most, a number of, of believers have come under the illusion that they cannot hear God's voice for themselves, therefore they need a prophet in their life. And that the sad thing about it is again, it's a drawback from the old covenant. So the people in the wilderness, you know, they came through the Red Sea and and. And God was opening up a way for them, and they get to the place where they're to worship the Lord at Mount Sinai. And it's the most amazing, you know, uh, power encounter. There's lightning, there's thunder, the, the cloud of His presence comes down on the top of the mountain. There's rumbling, there's earthquakes, there's, there's trumpet sounds, and the people say, Whoa! Moses? You go, we're going to stay down here. We're scared. And they outsourced 
their God encounter to Moses and the elders. And they say, you go, you have a good time, and then you come back down and tell us about the encounter, and you tell us everything that he tells you, you tell us we'll do it. But they outsourced their God encounter to the elders and to Moses. That was never the intention. God clearly said that he was going to draw his people out into the wilderness to worship him, that they would be his people and he would be their God, and they would be a a nation of priests unto the Lord. That's not just New Testament language. That's Old Testament language. That was God's intention. He said, hey, I'm going to bring you to this place where we can have communion, fellowship, relationship, a place of God encounter. And the people of God said, no, we'll outsource it. You guys do it and tell us what to do and then we'll do it. That's Old Covenant, Old Testament mentality. And it amazes me, perplexes me, disappoints me that so many New Testament believers do exactly the same thing. Oh, let the prophet hear from God on my behalf, tell me what to do, and then I will do it. That wasn't his intention. In the new and superior covenant, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh on my sons and daughters, and they will prophesy. Meaning, you will hear his voice, know what he's saying to you, and be able to live according to the Spirit of God. Jesus said, and these words must have been important because it's red in my Bible, you know, it's red. The words of Jesus. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, if we, if we believe the illusion that we cannot hear God's voice, well, there are a couple of implications to that. We're believing a lie, an illusion. We're also saying, Jesus, you weren't telling the truth. Jesus, you were lying. Because I can't hear your voice, so therefore you said a lie, Jesus. You said my sheep will hear my voice. I'm a sheep and I don't hear your voice. Therefore, Jesus, you must be lying. Well, that can't be true because God cannot lie. Right? Mm -hmm. Or else we're saying he didn't make me properly. I'm an imperfect creation. I am a deformed creation. Sheep. I was born without ears. Now, everything he does is perfect. So, it's more that we misunderstand how he's speaking and how he's communicating because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? In the beginning, he said, Let there be light. He is a speaking, a communicating God. He is still speaking and communicating to his children. We're part of the family. He's communicating to us. And so we have the ability to hear, but we might not be tuning in to what he's saying. 
And so because perhaps misunderstanding or old covenant models where we want the prophet to go in here and then tell us or laziness or whatever it is, but people are missing out on God's intention that we should be in step with the Spirit, hear His voice for ourselves, and have that ability to be connected and to walk in communion with Him. The outpouring of the Spirit was for us. Yay! So I'm absolutely perplexed that people so easily want somebody else to hear God for their lives, rather than going directly to the source. So you don't need a new word for your New Year's resolution for 2023. Oh, I need a word from the Lord for the next year. And you like, you know, going through YouTube, all the prophets or whatever. It's kind of like, you don't need a prophet. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to outsource it. Ooh. I'm lobbing hand grenades here this morning, aren't I? Yeah? You know what? He wants us to be connected to Him. He wants us to incline our ear, each one of us, to Him. Now, it's great that there are prophetic voices and they can confirm what we're already hearing. But let them confirm. Don't put all the work on them. Because you've got the discernment, you have the Spirit, you will know by the Spirit, it will witness with you, yes, this is right, or no, this is wrong. Listen, there's so much confusion out there in terms of prophetic words. You need discernment. Some people are saying 2023 is going to be absolutely awful. And some other people are saying 2023 is going to be brilliant. So who are you going to listen to? I'll tell you which one I want to listen to. Yeah? Now, all of that was just to prepare us for where we want to go this morning. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on each one of us that we might keep in step with the Spirit. And we had a beautiful time of celebrating just a few weeks ago a number of people being filled with the Spirit for the first time and being baptized in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Isn't that amazing? Yay! Come on, Pentecost all over again. And many years ago, a man by the name of Kevin Deadman came here to Breakthrough. And he said prophetically that the Lord wants us to live in perpetual Pentecost. Like we're always being being filled with the Spirit. And that we live in step with the Spirit that we might live a supernatural life. Yay. And part of that supernatural life is hearing His voice, being in step with the Spirit, and doing the things that Jesus is calling us to do. He's prepared good works in advance for us to walk into. Yeah? So we're going to walk into these good things. And he's 
organizing and orchestrating things that we could be at the right place at the right time to be his hands and feet, to be his voice into situations, to bring a supernatural solution to the world's problems that we find ourselves in, that his light may shine in times of darkness. So if there's darkness out there, don't worry. Besides Eskim, it's an opportunity for us to shine his light. His glory may be seen. It's kind of like, wow, he enabled me to be here, to help you, to love on you, to serve you, to encourage you, that you might know you've got a father in heaven who loves you so much that he interrupted my journey and caused me to be here at this time, at this place, in order to help you. That's how much he loves you. That's how you shine light. Yeah, so be attentive, be alert that you would be in the right place at the right time. I am I'm just so amazed at how often you know, we just happen to leave a couple of minutes early or a couple of minutes late that causes us to be at exactly a particular point where somebody needs some God intervention. And it looks very natural, but it's actually supernaturally natural. Yeah. So he's leading us and guiding us. And these people that have been filled with the Spirit now have got this incredible gift from the Spirit to be able to pray Spirit to Spirit. We call it tongues. And, and one of the things that we noted is that this is a prayer language. And this language of the Spirit, tongues, you know, it, it's more than, than baby talk. You know, sometimes when a baby's beginning, it just gets a syllable. Da, 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 da. You know? And the daddy says, But if at age 21, your child is still saying, Da, da, da. That's not a language. We have a problem. And... There are a number of people in churches where they've been encountering the Holy Spirit, but they've stuck with a syllable in their prayer language, and they haven't moved on to making words, and making sentences. So you go to many churches and places across the continent, and they're still praying in the Spirit, and they're going, da, 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 da. Da 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 to get out of a really bad habit. I was following a really bad example from someone who hadn't been taught correctly. Come on. It's getting quiet in here. Most of us have learned our spiritual journey by following someone else. So their example has caused us to live and believe the way that we live and believe. And if they didn't have a good example and they got stuck just on a syllable, don't you get stuck just on a syllable. 
Okay. So, a language we need to grow, we need to develop. But you ask me now, so is this like a language is that's known, or, or how does this whole thing work? I'm so glad you asked the question. So I tell you what, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. The love chapter. Look, it's our anniversary after all. It was meant to be a little bit of a joke. Because 1 Corinthians 13 is not the wedding love chapter. It's actually all about the Holy Spirit. Remember, in chapter 12, about spiritual things, my brothers... I don't want you to be ignorant. So the whole context there is about spiritual things, the gifts of the Spirit. Then he talks in the rest of chapter 12 about the body and how each of us have got different gifts and we need each other. We need the different gifts because all together it causes us to operate and function correctly. So we need each other. And then now go after these things. I'm going to show you an excellent way as you're all together and this is the way of love as you're walking in the supernatural, the things of the Spirit. And then he goes on at the end of chapter 13 and into the beginning of chapter 14. Now that you've got this most excellent way, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts in especially prophecy. So the whole context there is that of the Spirit, the supernatural, the gifts, and love is the thing that holds it all together. Verse 30, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So what he's saying is, listen, if you've got gifts, but you're doing it out of any other motive than the love of God, it's like boing, boing, boing. It's just like a noise, man. So... Love is the root, it's the core, it's the undergirding thing. It's what holds it all together, wraps it all up, and causes us to do the things of the Spirit, in and through the Spirit, in a God way. It's love. Okay? But as he's getting to that, which is his main point, he slips in this thing here, and I'm so glad Paul was helping out the church in Corinth, and he slips this thing in over here. And he says, if I pray... Or I speak in the tongue of men or of angels. And it's just like this sliding, passing description, but it really helps us because it's in the context of gifts, the supernatural, and he's helping us to understand this thing of tongues. Now we're going to get sometime in the near future. I'm not sure if it's this year, next year, or the year after. I can't even say we're going to get there by Christmas. But he's going to talk about the distinction and the difference between tongues, tongues and interpretation, and prophecy. But he's sort of circling around this like I am. <laughs> chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. And he's weaving these things together. So sometimes you're kind of like, is this tongues? Is this prophecy? What? But it's kind of like being woven together. 
And it's to, to help the people of God as they are walking and journeying with the Spirit that they can do things accurately. And Paul didn't write this like a textbook. He was writing a letter to his friends and, and he's sort of weaving these different things in. And sometimes it makes it hard for us when we try to sort of analytically try and you know, go through this. Like, is this this or is it that? Whatever. And it would be easier if he'd written a textbook. But he didn't. So this is a letter of communication. And so we need to dig into this and allow the Spirit to illuminate things to our heart and to our mind in terms of what the Holy Spirit was wanting to communicate to us. Is this good? Okay. So the side thing that the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to insert in here, he says, if I speak, pray, talk, with the tongues of men or of angels. It's in the context of tongues. Oh, so tongues could be of men or of angels. So sometimes people will talk about a heavenly language. Heard that? Okay. It's from here. This verse here. Now it doesn't say heavenly there, but it's this of angels. And the angels are mostly operating around the throne and then a bunch of them on the earth. There's not enough space on the earth for all of them, so they've got to take turns. It's my joke. Okay. Plenty, plenty angels. Myriads upon myriads upon myriads of angels. Yeah? And they are communicating with one another and they're communicating with God. And there's a way in which they communicate. And in that sense, there is a language that the angels use to communicate with God and with one another. And so there's that language that's angelic. And the Spirit of God releases and gives tongues that can be that angelic language. That could be one way. All right? So the tongues of angels. Meaning it's not something you learnt. You didn't go to university and study it. It's not man-made, it's, its origins are not from the planet, not out of man. The origins are from the spirit realm. Okay, This is really good news. Because when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're speaking in tongues, it's not something that's coming from my mind, it's coming from the spirit. Do you remember in John chapter 7, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. And he stands up on the last day, the greatest day of the feast. And there are all kinds of rituals in terms of pouring of water and these kinds of things. And he stands and he shouts in a loud voice there in the temple. He says, if anybody is thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. People kind of like, this is a crazy prophet. It's kind of, what do you mean rivers on the inside? Don't understand. So John, who's writing the gospel of John, he puts in like this editorial comment. And he said, this was in reference to the outpouring of the Spirit, which would happen after Jesus was glorified. 
So this is in John chapter 7. And so John is saying, listen, after Jesus ascended to heaven, he was glorified. He received the promise of the Father, the Spirit, and he poured it out. So this rivers of living water is flowing from deep within the core of who you are. Rivers will flow from your innermost being. He's speaking about the Spirit of God. So when we're talking about baptism in the Spirit and, and praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, it's not coming from the mind, from the intellect. It's coming from the Spirit. Yeah? From, from your inmost being. Most of us, from a Western mindset, you know, we talk about the heart of a matter. We immediately go to cardia. Cardiac arrest, cardia heart. Right? And we think, oh, this is the center. But the Hebrew thing, they would like the guts of it. The bowels. Right? They're, they're kind of deep in the inner gut. That's the Hebrew understanding, like the center of your being. Okay, so when Jesus says from, the, from your inmost being will flow, like the very core of you. So whatever you imagine, whether you're Western or with the Hebrew mindset, whatever. But from, if the, for you the heart is here, then okay. But if for you the heart is here, then it's here. But wherever the heart of you is, that's where it's flowing. And the thing is that the heart of you is not coming from the mind. Hello. Yeah, because so much of human and humanistic thinking is rational. Like, I've got to do, analyze this thing scientifically. And God is saying, listen, by the Spirit, there's a whole other dimension that's not even engaging the mind. So praying in tongues is not coming from the mind, it's coming from the Spirit and it's flowing like a river. That's why when people first begin to speak in tongues and the brain is telling them, oh, this is gibberish, this is rubbish, this is baby talk, I don't understand this, this is weird, this is awkward, I must be making this up, and your brain can't fathom what's going on. Because you're bypassing the brain, you're going spirit to spirit. Remember Jesus, he said, listen, there's going to come a time when people will worship in spirit and in truth. And they must do so because God is spirit. Spirit. And so it's spirit to spirit communication bypassing the brain box. Yeah? So when we're praying in tongues and it's the language of heaven, our mind doesn't understand it. And so when the vocal cords are going with the language of heaven, people around you think you must be nuts. And that's part of what Paul is trying to say. When an unbeliever comes among you, they can't figure this thing out. They think you're out of your mind. That's part of what he's saying. Okay? And we're going to get to it maybe next year. <laughs> like, well, should we have tongues in church or shouldn't we? And should we be, you know, people won't know what's going on, all the rest of it. And if you don't understand the verses and you read them back to front, you can almost think that he's saying you shouldn't speak in tongues in church. That's not what he's saying. Because he says very clearly at the end of that chapter, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. So it cannot be the opposite conclusion. Can't be. Thank you, John. That was a great point.
Okay. All right. So we're praying spirit to spirit. It's flowing, and the brain doesn't always understand what's going on. That's okay. Because we'll get the difference between tongues as a language, prayer language, and tongues as a prophetic thing. And we'll know when we need to interpret, not translate, but interpret because of the direction and the unction. Okay? We'll get there. This is amazing. Yay! So it could be tongues is of angels or of men. Okay, you ready? We've got one, one layer level, one level up, layer along. Yes? Acts chapter 2. This is amazing. All right? Acts chapter 2, pick it up from verse 4. This is now the feast, the festival of Pentecost. So there was a, the feast of tabernacles, and there's another feast called a Pentecost. And the interesting thing is, Pentecost pre-existed Pentecost. Huh? Yes. So there was an ancient feast of Pentecost where the people of God celebrated the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments. And they would come and they would appear in Jerusalem and they would be there for this amazing time of you know, celebration. And so God chose to come again at the same time period and puts a blessing and an upgrade on what they had. You might remember many months ago, I was preaching about the difference between legalism and being under law and living by the power of the Spirit. Do you remember that? Okay, just pretend you do and go home and watch the YouTube catch-up. Okay, so there's this difference between the law and the Spirit. And the law which they got at Mount Sinai, the first Pentecost, was an external government. But the upgrade, the Pentecost on the day of Pentecost, was under the rule, the government of God, the governing, the ruling of the Holy Spirit. So it went from external regulations to internal government. This is awesome. And they're both called Pentecost. The old covenant, upgrade in the new covenant. I'm so glad we get to live in the new covenant. Yeah? So these people were gathered to celebrate the old covenant. They came for Pentecost. And that's when they got the upgrade. All right. So I think I've given you enough time to get to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Oh, as the Spirit enabled them. They didn't learn it. They didn't work it up. They didn't earn it. This wasn't a reward for good behavior or spiritual maturity. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them and the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in tongues. He didn't force them to speak in tongues. He enabled them. Yeah? Again, you know, some people have this crazy thing that, well, if God wanted me to speak in tongues, he would make it come out of me. No. He doesn't violate the self-control that is given to you. And self-will. So you need to yield and to invite and cooperate 
But God doesn't jump in, grab hold of your tongue. I mean, that's alien stuff. That's not God stuff. Yeah? So he doesn't force you to speak in tongues, but he will enable you as you partner with him. You've got to use your vocal cords. You've got to breathe in air into your lungs and then breathe it out over your vocal cords to make a sound. And you've got to move your tongue to form consonants and vowels. That's how you speak in tongues. As you submit to him, you yield to him. Self-controlled, but it's self-bringing under his control. He doesn't force you, he doesn't make you, but he will enable you to. Hmm. Is this good? Okay. Getting some, some insight here. So, verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Sorry, Pontus and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of the Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, "What does this mean?" Okay, so. We've got 13 regions of the known world. And they are represented here because they've come for the festival of Pentecost. And God pours out his spirit on the 120. Crazy stuff is going on. They spill out onto the streets. Everybody comes to see what's going on. This is a massive deal. But then they are amazed, bewildered, and perplexed. How is it possible that these guys are speaking in our language and we come from 13 different regions of the known world and we speak very different languages that we have learnt because we are part of that culture over there. And these guys we know are from Galilee. Why? Because they speak with a Galilean accent. Now the Galilean accent was considered very sort of like low class. Jerusalem was upper class. You know, that's where all the fine academic institutions were, the latest and greatest. The temple was there. So this was like upper class, academic, the learned people. But Galilee, backward. You know, they, f they fish and they smell like it. They're uneducated, you know. So... How could they tell that they were from Galilee? Well, apparently, the people in the region of Galilee had their own kind of accent. And the accent sounded like they were a bit doff. Got to interpret doff, because doff is not an English word. They were, they were less intellectual. All right? And so, it was, they were looked down upon, obviously, because Jerusalem was... You know, a higher elevation, but they thought that these guys were like really backward people. And they had a very strong accent from the area. And so, even as they're speaking in tongues, something of that accent is coming through in the language that they're speaking. 
You remember Peter, he's warming his hands at the fire. This is on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And the servant girl says, but hang on, wait a minute, you're a Galilean. You must have been with Jesus. How did she know that he was a Galilean? Because he spoke like a Galilean. Because of his accent. Okay. So now these people are bewildered, amazed, perplexed. How is it possible that these people who are backward, uneducated, didn't get matric? We know this because they hadn't invented matric by then. But how is it possible that these guys are speaking in these other languages from these other cultures? It was like... This is miraculous. This is supernatural. How can this be? They haven't learned this. Again, it's by the spirit. It's not coming from the mind, the in in intellect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but they recognized what these guys were saying. In other words, they were earthly languages. Remember from 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongue of men... Or of angels. So the tongue of men it means it's a known language. But it's a language you didn't learn. It was a gift given to you. Yeah? Okay. Now, let's be careful that we don't make some strange mistakes that the church has made through the years. So one of the mistakes that the church has made is that thinking that because you have a particular earthly language that you didn't learn, it must therefore mean that God is calling you to be a missionary to the place where that language comes from. And the church has done some stupid things through the, through the centuries. And would like pack up people and send, look, this, this language sounds like this kind of a tribe on that continent, so we just like send you off. And so these guys would go off into these jungle areas amongst cannibals, without knowing anything about cross-cultural mission work, learning anything of the culture, learning the language or whatever, and they would just stand there and speak in tongues, hoping that they got the right tribe. And some of those missionaries never came back. They didn't feed them spiritual food. They became the food. Hmm. So, just like, oh my goodness, Let's not be weird about tongues. And just because it's an earthly language, all right, doesn't mean that you are somehow you know, super special. We know because of you know, people that we've known and testimonies and so on through the years where people have gone and visited another country. South Africans have gone. And in like a ministry time, Person will just be, they think they're just praying in tongues and comes out fluent Afrikaans. And the Lord gives a word through fluent Afrikaans through somebody else who's never even heard that there is a language called Afrikaans. Okay, so we know this thing happens, all right? And it's exactly what happened there on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so it can be a language that's, that's an earthly language, but it's not known. To the one who's speaking the tongue. Alright. So it's not coming from the brain. It's coming from the, from the spirit. Okay. Now. Um, we had a lightning strike this week. Just as we were about to fix the clock. But the clock never got fixed. And there is no clock. 
But nevertheless, time is running out. So I'm going to have to try and bring this to a bit of a close here. So, when we speak in tongues, it's not coming from the brain, the intellect. It's coming from the spirit. And it's a language. It's not just a few syllables. Let us exercise and grow in the language. So if you've got a couple of syllables, ask the Lord to give you more so that you can form words. If you've got words, ask the Lord to give you more that you can form sentences. If you've got sentences, ask the Lord to give you more that you might have paragraphs. Because it's called a language. Not words, but language. Tongues. All right? And as we're doing this, so we want to build ourselves up. We're going to get to that around about Christmas, I guess. Um, but as we grow in this, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14 and 15, it speaks about praying with your understanding and praying in the Spirit. And then it says, I will sing with my mind and I will sing with the Spirit. So here's your holiday homework. When you are in the shower, don't just sing in your mother tongue. Ask the Lord to help you to sing in the Spirit. Yeah, when you're driving in the car, turn up the worship music and don't sing in whatever your mother tongue is. Just go for it and sing in that prayer language. Sing in the Spirit. When you're praying, don't just pray in your mother tongue. Begin to pray by the Spirit. And it, at first it might seem a little bit unusual to you. But when you push through, eventually, not eventually, quite quickly actually, because the Holy Spirit is within you, there will be a witness by the Spirit. This is right. This is genuine. And let's expand our words, sentences, and paragraphs. Is this good? That's your holiday assignment. All right, can you stand? Okay. Can we just say thank you to the Lord for all the good things that he's doing, pouring out his spirit in a fresh way upon us, upon the youth camp, that he's giving fresh tongues and languages. I just loved it that you know, three Sundays ago, I just found myself stepping into a whole different language than I'd had before. So, question, can you have a new language? Answer, yes. You don't always have to have the same language your whole life. Yeah, this is good. Some of you speak more than one earthly language, just in the natural. You've learned it. So in the spirit, you can have more than one language. Yay. All right. So, let's ask the Lord for more. Good? Lord, we are so grateful, full of thanks and thanksgiving and appreciation for what you are doing in our lives. The way that you've carried us through this year, the blessing upon blessing. We thank you, Lord, for provision. We thank you for connection with you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength. And we ask even now as we step into the new year that you would grace us even more. We ask for an increase of the flow of the Spirit in our lives. We ask 
in, in the context of tongues that you would take us to the next level. We're asking, Lord, for more, more words, more syllables, more sentences, more languages. We're asking that as we sing and we join the worship and we move beyond just worshiping in words that are known, that we might step into words that are unknown and we, spirit, we sing spirit to spirit. As true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So Lord, take us to the next level. We thank you that you are stirring up a hunger and a desire and a passion inside of us to eagerly go after these things. Thank you that this is part of your will for us, part of your plan for us, and it's part of what you are doing right now, right here. So thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're moving powerfully. Thank you for the signs in the natural this week. A mighty wind rushing through this property and a flooding of waters and power encounters. Oh, just like that first Pentecost on the mountain. So Lord, would you cause us to step into more of the supernatural as we continue into next year. May it be the best year yet. May we have more and more, more and more. May this be the prayer. More, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. And we say, more, Lord. Increase, increase. Thank you for upgrades. Thank you, Lord, for double portions. Thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. Thank you, Lord. So as we go from this place, we're asking, Lord, for your protection to be over us. Watch over, shield as we're on the roads, our homes, our possessions. We thank you, Lord, for health and strength. We ask, Lord, for provision for all that we have need of. We ask, Lord, for the more than enough, the abundance, that we might in turn be a blessing to others. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. Thank you for love. Thank you for life. Thank you for you. And all God's people said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.